Coming up on this episode, Layla Rain is here to talk about the conclusion of the Fog City series and what comes next. Welcome to episode 309 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Will Knaus, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello, everybody. As always, the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. Thank you to Rebecca for recently joining the community. If you'd like more information about the bonus content we offer our patrons, go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. And with Pride Month right around the corner, we're gearing up to send our annual Pride cards to our patrons. If you're a member of the community and would like to receive a card, make sure to check out our post on Patreon with all the details before May 31st. Do, 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 do. Here's some breaking news for fans of gay fiction. That was a wonderful little intro. I may just save that for the sound effects library so I have it for future episodes. So there was some great news for Adam Silvera fans this week. His novel, They Both Die at the End, which is riding high once again on the New York Times bestseller list three years after its original publication, has actually been optioned for a TV series. And possibly the best news of all is that Adam is actually attached to the project to write the adaptation for it. You may remember when I talked to Adam back in episode 291 that he wanted to return to the Deathcast universe, and now it sounds like he might be doing that in both book and TV form. Now, some fans may recall that this has been previously optioned for TV, and it's really great to see this project moving forward again. It's actually Adam's second TV adaptation that's in the works, because there's also one that's in progress for his book, More Happy Than Not, which is now in development with the same production company that just picked up They Both Die at the End. So I really can't wait to see these two projects come to fruition. Congratulations to Adam. And I'm happy because that means there's more great television for us to watch. Exactly. <laughs> so recently, you, dear sir, had the chance to talk to one of your very favorite authors. I did. And I really have to admit, this is one of the more fanboyish interviews that I've done on the podcast. I really try to rein myself in regardless of who I'm talking to, but that did not happen here too well. If you're a fan of Layla Rain's Fog City series and her extended whiskey universe that encompasses her Agents Irish and Whiskey and Trouble Brewing series, then you're going to fall right into what we're talking about here as we focus on the last two books of the Fog City series with Queen's Ransom and Silent Night. But if you need some Fog City 101, I suggest you head back to episode 193, where we talked about this series just as it was starting out back in June of 2019. For this interview, we dive in headfirst to these final two books, and we also get some details on what she's working on next that will further extend this big universe of characters and books that she's created. Layla, welcome back to the podcast. It's wonderful to have you here. Likewise, I'm happy to be here. Hi. Oh, we have so much it's to talk about with Fog City <laughs> wrapped up. <laughs> yeah. I can't oh, believe it. <laughs> what an ending. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I brought everyone out to play. <laughs> you did. And it was yeah. so awesome. Thanks. So I want to warn everybody as we get started that there could be spoilers here because there's a lot to talk about. And we're going to try to tread lightly, but maybe not. So just be forewarned and we'll do yeah. our best. It's a book five. So it's a book five and it really ties together. Whiskey verse plays a lot into book five. Cause we see, yeah. I swear everybody yeah. <laughs> you could have possibly had as a cameo. First off though, what was it like to finally wrap up this series that started as that wonderful three books and then got these yeah. great additional two books at the end? 
I mean, I was, I was really happy to do it. You know, as soon as both Helena and Holt hit the page in the original trilogy, I knew I wanted books for them. As soon as Brax hit the page, he was going to have a book. And then when they found that Brax and Holt got on the page, I was like, that's it, we're done. And I knew that was five. I knew that was the last book. I kind of, there's a plot point that I, we probably shouldn't spoil that one. But I knew that was going to get resolved in the book five. And I think particularly as I was, writing through the trilogy and looking back at it too Holt is the one who got just stepped all over the entire thing you know but I mean every all the betrayals that lined up and so it was kind of his his time to take control and have his moment and then for Helena too you know you see her in the trilogy ascend the ranks so to speak to become the queen and so in her book in queen's ransom you know she has to figure out how that works for her and the whole family has to figure needs somebody on the outside right like they're so like between you know the law enforcement angle part of the family and then the not lawful part of the family it's still all tangled up right yeah. And there was no grounding force. And, you know, Hawes kind of has that talk with Celia in Queen's Ransom about we all need you. I and mean, they all needed somebody who was outside enough. You know, she kind of knew what was going on. So it, it didn't cause an issue, but she also was a grounding force. So I liked, you know, playing both aspects and Queen of really grounding the family. And I think that grounding was needed when you got to the last book and really is a ending you know a tie up and also a jumping off point yeah it does so much but it does it so well too, to you. tie it up and to give you the idea of where it will go next going back to i mean we talked about fog city a long time ago yeah and you'd written the trilogy and then you had a little gap in the writing and then sure. came back to these last two did your thoughts on those last two books end up in morph in that in between time when you had finished the trilogy and then moved on to these? So in two different ways, right? Helena's book completely changed. I had a different plot for what her book was. It was always going to be Celia, but there was a different plot. I started to write it. They weren't on the page together. It was too insular to the Madigans and not enough of the relationship and not enough of Celia's journey. And so I kind of, it was more about the parents and it just got way too, I was, I had 20, I was 15,000 words into it. I was like, no, this is not working. <laughs> There's 12 scenes here and they're in four of them together. This does not work. And so that one completely morphed. I made that one simpler in its plot and more focused on the romance. And so it completely changed in the, the, the general scope of what the plot was in that time. Silent Night changed Halton Brax's book, not at all in the plot. That was always going to be the plot, the way the story was told. And for those who haven't gotten it yet, I mean, this is kind of already out there. The first part of the book is past from Brax's point of view. It's them getting to know each other, how their friendship came to be. And the second part of the book is Holt's POV in the present. And it picks up about three months after the events of Queen's Ransom, which is about almost a year after the events of the trilogy. And I didn't know that was going to be the first part. <laughs> I didn't anticipate telling the first part the way I did and, and the structure. But I, I mean, I got hit pretty hard by all of 2020. I lost the mojo. And 
what really, you know, I started out in writing fan fiction. A lot of my fan fiction was vignette style, where it was those quick, short little stories of here's a moment in the characters' lives. And that's what got me writing again in 2020 and doing that for Holt and Kane. And it just, it worked for them and it worked for me. And I don't know if these books would have happened if not for it. It worked for me too, as, as the <laughs> reader, it was just, I was surprised when I opened the book and it's a dozen, dozen, 16, 15 years in the past. Uh, 14. 14. 14. I, I got it right in the middle. Right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And then it, it kept moving forward and, you know, getting us closer and closer to the, to the future. And I'm like, this is just brilliant because Thank you. you see how these two came together and you got their meat cute, which, you know, you, you could probably say that somewhere back in Fog City, that sort of kind of maybe happened for some readers, but <laughs> this was their meat cute back here in the past. And then we yep. got all this great stuff that built Brax and Holt in a way that I now can't imagine the story without it. Yeah. Now you need it for multiple reasons, right? I had started when I started the story, it was just going to be a prologue of this one scene from their past. And then when I started to write, I realized you needed more for multiple reasons to understand why, why Brax stays through all of this, right. To really solidify that connection because he is, He's an officer and you know, one, he's an officer in the military and then he becomes a police officer. And why is he tangled up with a bunch of assassins? And why does he stay tangled up with a bunch of assassins for this long? And so there needed to be like this ground, like why, what is the connection? How strong is it to keep him tied in? And then for Holt, who is demisexual, you needed that. To be demi, it is a building of the trust. It's a building of the relationship before the love comes, right? And so that buildup is absolutely necessary for understanding where, you know, one, Holt discovering his own sexuality, and then in the present too, where, it, you know, it does, he realizes he's in love with his best friend. So, And the, the trust thing for Holt is such a big deal when you tie it back, as you mentioned, to all the betrayal that happens. Oh, yeah in the original trilogy because he is stomped on and it yeah. and yet through it all he somehow knows that brax isn't going to stomp on him if they could just both get over that thing and this is a thing that happens so much in romantic suspense it's like you're going to be better off if i'm not here yeah <laughs> right <of> <laughs> and, and they're both trying to do you know they're yeah the the lines from the book and it's actually on the back of the paperback i won't let anything happen to you i'll protect you those are said you know, in the trilogy. And then again, you see where they come from in mm -hmm. the past and it cuts both ways for both of them. <laughs> and so, you know, they're just trying to, you know, protect each other. And that comes from a long history of doing that on both sides. So, but yeah, I mean, Holt, he, he had Helena and Hawes, to try. I mean, the, the siblings were generally always had each other's back, but yeah, dude got stomped on. <laughs> It was, and he never got to be angry, right? He had Lily, his daughter, to worry about. He had the family to worry about. He's the one at the comps. He's always monitoring the situation. He's the liaison with the cops because his best friend is the chief of police. And he didn't get to be angry. 
and he of all of them have the right to be the angriest and then you come after his best friend and that's it yeah <laughs> like he was done. finally finally he, he hulk smashed he literally hulk smashed and i love so, that you wrote those very words in too yeah. <laughs> the hulk smash idea was right there yeah. on page <laughs> yeah i mean here's this big ginger giant he was done he was so done did you know all along that Holt was Demi, or did that rise up as you sorted out Silent Night? Oh, I knew all along in the trilogy. I don't know that I knew right when I wrote Prince of Killers, but I knew it in the trilogy. By the time we got to New Empire, that that was going to be it. There's a conversation with Hawes where he talks about the first time he he met Brax, and he says, you know, I've only ever loved two people, and that way. And so... That's Amelia and, and Brax. And because those are those were the connections. Because Amelia does play a big role in him understanding his demisexuality. And and that's, you know, it's it again, betrayals cut really tough when the heart of your relationships are trust. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted more representation all across the, the queer spectrum. And so I was really happy to be able to to portray the the demisexuality with Holt. And this is a very queer series, not just in your main characters. I mean, you've got support characters like Jax, who is yep. such a favorite of mine. Yeah, they're 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 a lot of fun. So, and then just complicated, as you'll you'll find out more of. They're complicated, yeah. but they're willing to jump into anything. Yeah. <laughs> There's no and fear super there. Super smart, super smart, and yeah, willing to to dive in, get their hands dirty, and also loyal. Right? I mean, these. They're assassins, bad guys, but the loyalty that they they engender with people because they are too, right? I mean, they will stand up for you, the Madigans. So, and that's very apparent with, with Brax, like what they're the links to which they're willing to go because he has shown them the ultimate loyalty. It's an interesting look at found family that we find so yeah. often in in MM romance that it really takes that to a whole different level in in yeah. many ways. I think. And even the the people that have left them for one reason or another, you know, Avery, who was their top lieutenant, you kind of get a little bit of her background and how she came into the fold. And again, even though her connection's not there anymore necessarily to the fold, she has stayed in because of that found family aspect. What was some of the research that you had to do for the the past in Silent yeah. Night, because a good chunk of it takes place while Holt is deployed in Afghanistan. Yeah, so I mean, the, you know, boards, all of the message boards, you look, you know, look through and research, lots of making sure that, you know, titles were right, ranks were right. I did take some liberties, right? Brax's career path is not typical. That orientation position is not typical. And so doing that carefully, the the style of it of being the vignettes as opposed to necessarily being full on day to day did help a little bit and that it could be still focused on the relationship. And that just happens to be going on in the background. But it's interesting because all of that's going on still when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was in effect. And so there's some tiptoeing around of what they can and can't say. And for Holt, it's really hard because he comes from a family with Hawes and Helena who are very upfront with their sexuality and from San Francisco, which generally is very upfront. And so... You know, he gets there and he doesn't think twice about mentioning his, his siblings and their sexuality. And then he's like, probably shouldn't have said that. But then it gives Brax this little bit of, I'm not alone. 
right? Yeah. Which he desperately needed after being in the military 17 years without having anyone to talk to. Back to Queen's Ransom for a minute, because we kind of got ourselves out of order just because I'm all about <laughs> Silent Night at the moment. I kind of wrote him out of order, to be honest. <laughs> so. Well, that was one of the things I was going to ask, and we could start there, since Silent Night was kind of you know bringing you back in to writing after after you know 2020. Yeah. What was it like to now go back and write the book out of order <laughs> and, and to do Queen's Ransom? I write out of order anyways. I'm that person. But probably not first... the person who writes completely out of order with the books, right? Yeah, no. So I had to change a few little lines. I, they were kind of going in tandem, but there are times where Silent Night would get further along than Queen and vice versa. But in writing through Silent Night 2, I understood better what Helena's story should be and where Celia should be as as that grounding force of the family. And so it actually really helped. It's how I write a book. I write first scene, last scene. And I kind of needed to do that with the series too, to know where everything was going. It also helped resolve the, with Helena's story, me trying to make it more complicated. We didn't really need that. That was a whole nother layer of complication that the series didn't need. And it's also a story I could tell later if I wanted to. So it kind of was, it was good. It opened up some stories for other characters as well that you'll see later. And so I was happy about that too. Celia is amazing because given what she already knew because of her brother's connection to the family, she was not that reticent to bring her and her kids along for the ride. (laughs) No. And I mean, she lost her brother for 10 years in a way, right? With what happened to Chris and his family and also him diving into undercover work for 10 years. And she didn't want to lose her brother again. Right. And particularly with what had happened with her ex, you know, she also wanted family around for her kids and wanted their uncle there as well. And so it was really important for her to stay connected to Chris. And there was no doing that without being connected to the Madigans. And so the more she also was around them, you know, they're still, they're a family and they're tight and they protect their own. And Ultimately, she has been protecting her own for all those kids' lives because she's effectively been a single parent. And so it's kind of nice to have a support system. That's what mm-hmm. she desperately needed. I loved how their relationship just kept growing through the book because they've got that push and pull too. Like, you really need to stay away from me, but I'm really not. And here we go. But you open with a bang with, you know, Helena showing up after being gone for a while yeah. and immediately having the, the repair shop, you know, shot up, which yeah. was quite the opening. But then, yeah, she's she's right there. And those two, I love the dichotomy of how sweet they are and yeah. then how fierce both of them are. I mean, yeah. it's two alpha women come together, which was just awesome. And fierce. Fierce in different ways, too. Yeah. Right. And that's what I really loved is that Celia kind of surprised me. I, I I probably went into that thinking she was more of a beta type character. No, no. <laughs> she was a total alpha character. As I wrote more and more, like that became clear. Right. And that's been her defense mechanism. It's also just been she's taking care of those kids and, and her mom, too. And so Helena's a good match for her. Helena is also going to need someone to stand up to her to an extent. And Celia besides her siblings. Yes. Besides her siblings. <laughs> but right, like that could intimidate somebody. Didn't really. 
right? Still, you could handle it. Anything you discovered as you wrote your first FF pairing with Queen's Ransom after so much MM pairings through the years? Not, I mean, not so much. I mean, I, I think the discovery of, oh, hey, it's two alpha women, let's go, that it was easier than I thought it was going to be to some extent because still character still still a Layla story and so I I liked that I could do that and so I'm definitely looking forward to doing more and you know it's just you got to to do some different things and but a lot of it's still like I said it's still a Layla story the thing that I found interesting back on Silent Night because you just talked about a Layla book which to yeah. me almost always includes a good car chase or 10. Yeah. Can't help <laughs> Silent it. Silent Night really pulled back a little bit into the types of big set pieces that were there. There are things that get shot up. There's, yeah. I wouldn't even call it a car chase, really. There are people speeding around trying to find where people have gone. Yeah. But you seem to pivot a little bit the action and how the action played out in, in Silent Night. What brought that on and, and what was that like? Because it's really different from not just in Fog City, but even going back into the whiskey verse and trouble brewing. Yeah, well, it's a story. I mean, one, I wanted the two to mirror the back, the past and the present to mirror, right? The past has its big action scene, the one with, you know, when they were attacked. And then the present has the big one at the police station. And that's kind of the giant action scene. And so, one balance. And so that's why there's they're structured that way. But two, this is a story about a hacker. So he's going to solve the problems doing what he does, which is hacking. Right. And so and also it's in his point of view. And it's been clearly established in all all three trilogy books and in Helena's that all three siblings are not there at the same time in an action scene. For, I mean, that's how it's worked because there has to always be one of them outside. And so he's not there at the rescue at the end. It's not his, it, it's in his point of view. And so he's not at that scene because one, he's got something else he's got to go do, which is my favorite scene. Like, we yeah, won't spoil that one. <laughs> <laughs> God, it was so fun to write that. But I mean, he's got that to do and that's his story. Right. It was more important for him to have that moment of that scene to come to be able to move forward than it was to go do the action scene. Right. Because that's whole story. And so that's the other reason that plays out that way. You that's might cool. see the action scene and a bonus thing later <laughs> from Brax's point of view, because he's the one that's in that, that last scene of the rescue scene. But again, this is the, that present part. It's a story about a hacker. I mean, the whole thing is a story about a hacker. So, so was Jamie to an extent, but you still had all the FBI going on. Whereas this is the hacker. The, the plot aspects are going to get solved with the hacking. Was it as fun as I think it is to bring in everybody <laughs> into <Yes>. this book? <laughs> oh my God. The FBI scene was so much fun to write. I mean, I wrote that. So I write dialogue first. And so there's a scene, you know, where, there is one scene where the siblings are together and they're in the FBI building and Helena is just on fire with the snark, right? Like, did you ever hear the story about three assassins and FBI agent that were on the cop that were all in the FBI building, right? Like, it's so funny. And it was great because 
this is the last it's a turning point so fog city is separate from the whiskey verse but this is a turning point in the whole they all exist in the same world these people could not run into each other yeah right i mean mel runs everything anyways let's all be honest this is this really is all her t- universe it's just not it is. That <laughs> it is to be the mel verse but it's a turning point in the verse um for where we're going next and so everybody got to come out and play and you know, there have been connections with Holt and Jamie before, not in the same place, but, you know, these two really good hackers. And there was that, there was some back and forth, not not directly, but through Hawes and Chris and Mel in the trilogy. So it made sense for them to all be there together. And, you know, Lauren gets to come out and play because she's fun to play with. Yeah. So, and then Quite- Nick is the prosecutor. So of course yeah. he's going to be in the middle of all this and Mel's the negotiator. Quite possibly my favorite line was when they were in the FBI building and everybody walks out of the bullpen. And I think it's Brax <laughs> who says, did they just leave the hacker in the FBI server room? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was fun, but he doesn't care. I think that's not the point right then. But then, yeah, everyone's got their mission from that scene, right? Like Hawes and Chris are running out to help Scotty and Mel's on their trail. And Aiden and Helena have to go do the law thing with Nick on the line. And so, you know, they just left them there and they get a nice, really cute moment with the two of them. It was super cute and a nice little, you know, light moment in the midst of everything and i'm just like that was brilliant and if you were going to leave a hacker somewhere i mean holt's pretty pretty upstanding when he you know in in the right setting so (laughs) yeah and you're right it was the respite moment like where you kind of have to sit there there is a lot going on like you need the the humor the moment of humor and the the moment to breathe and catch your breath before things start to ramp up again from there so in terms of I keep going back and forth on what book we're talking about. In terms of Queen's Ransom, do you have a favorite scene in the book that you can say what it was without giving up too much? Yeah. It was the scene I wrote later where Helena comes home late at night and Celia is asleep. And they have this really, you know, she kind of comes in late and has this really cute, like it's soft. It's a quiet moment. It's probably the one of the quietest moments I've ever written. And so it, I just liked it. And it, it came later, like I needed that moment and it just kind of pulled the book together. And I love when that happens in edits, when you figure out the missing scene and that was the missing scene. Nice. I also love when they spar, right? I, I loved yeah. that. I thought that scene was a lot of fun. What about in Silent Night? Oh, geez. You want me to pick a favorite? I told you my favorite, and I can't I spoil it. I think you kind of did, and it's sitting in there with what Holt does at the end that we won't <laughs> talk too much about. <laughs> I like That's not a scene with Brax. If I had a scene between the two of them, again, it's the quiet, soft scene. Like when they are with Lily and Holt surprises him with a Hanukkah dinner. It, it's not Hanukkah anymore, but at that point. But, you know, he, he they, they need that break in the middle of everything that's going on and it is a tradition they have kept up since they were in the military where Holt first surprised him with that and he missed it this last year in the books because of everything that had been going on and because the tension that had been rising between them and after a near death you know he's like I don't want to miss these anymore and it was kind of you know that was 
them their really family scene and mm. you could see where they were going. I really like how you write the kids in these last two books. Thanks. And I was trying to think back on the previous books and we see family and children yeah. back in the whiskey verse and in trouble brewing. There's moments of kids, but here really looking at Celia's kids yeah, and then how Lily has grown up to being able to have a few words. Yeah. Just love all of them. Thank you. Thanks. It's not natural for me. We don't have kids. <laughs> and so, you know, really thank my editor for helping with that because I have to get feedback from folks about that. But yeah, it's, I also wanted, even though this is a, a family of assassins, it's still a family. They are, they are third generation and there will be more generations. And, you know, this is, you know, they value family and they want families like, and so, you know, those kids are going to be part of it all. So let's look into the future. There's yeah. a lot of stuff coming because you mentioned this is a turning point. And one of the turning yeah. points is very clear as you hit basically the last page. Yeah. Where would you like to start with where the future goes? Well, the immediately next project is not connected at all. It's a standalone polyamorous romantic mystery. That's been hanging out for a while on my hard drive. And I'm really excited to be digging into it and finally getting it into shape to, to publish. It's I, multiple aspects of reasons why it wasn't ready to go yet. I think Variable Onset helped a lot because I got the romantic mystery down a little bit better that that storytelling and what I needed to do there and so this feels a lot more like that if that makes sense then after that there are snippets of things Fog City related that are coming a little bit of foodie romance I do want to do but yeah I mean as far as what's next is there's kind of two setups I'm really interested to hear what folks want to see next Marsh is a character that gets introduced who I've got some plans for he is a friend of, but a very close friend of Brax and also Holt's former CO. And so he's going to get his, his story, which is fun. I'm really looking forward to that because it bounces around a lot because of what he does now as far as location. And then, yeah, there's a setup for what I'm super looking forward to, you know, Brax and Mel hurting cat basically of, of people we have seen that need a redemption arc. One thing that I have always loved and I've made no bones about it is that Nick is my favorite character and he started out as a foil right for Aiden and Jamie and then you know I love him and he's a lot of people like him now and I like playing the redemption arc you probably saw some of that with some characters already in Silent Night one in particular writing Hersey made me actually tear up I want to tell some more stories with folks and I want to tell them across Whiskey Verse of Fox City so you'll see some familiar faces and Max suspense and everyone's got something to, to redeem for. So exciting. Yeah. Just the whole thing. I'm looking forward to the polyamorous romantic mystery too. Yeah. It's, you know, set in small town, basically like Southport, North Carolina, which is kind of where we also go to the beach fictional, but based on that and someone's murdering professors in a very Shakespeare themed way. And it's second chance and best friends to lovers too. And I'm really excited about it. 
you've told stories in a few different ways now, because if you look yeah. at Irish and Whiskey and Trouble Brewing, and even at the original Fog City trilogy, you've told stories through that trilogy. So you follow that same couple getting there happily ever after through the three books. Yeah. But then you do the one-offs like Variable Onset and Queen's Ransom and Silent Night. What drives you to tell something yeah. across three versus one? I can kind of tell from a plotting aspect what I'm going to need for how long. But sometimes the characters fool you. And it, it's also, what do you what do you plan for their relationship? I thought VO was going to be a three-book series. But they got to happy just fine in one. And that's what they needed right now. And so that just worked out to where their story wrapped all in one. It worked with the conflict and it worked with the plot that it all wrapped up in one. Ditto Holton Kane and, and Queen's Ransom that it worked. You know, thinking ahead of, of the new series, like one of them is a trilogy because I know what he's got to go to go through to get from point A to point B. It can't be one book. In looking at the polyam mystery as one book. I know what it is. I know what the characters need to get from point A to point B. In the Redemption, ser Redemption series, it's different couples and so it's set up for one book each couple because it's more discreet that will be a series where you can pop in and read which ones you want but it's all kind of existing in the same world so it kind of depends what the the story arc and then there's something else planned for later that it's one whole story arc but three different couples it just kind of depends what the plot and the characters are dictating i like them all i mean i like even even the ones that are standalone a lot of times they're parts of bigger series because I like to sit with characters. That's, mm -hmm. I come from TV and nine seasons. Something. <laughs> so like, right. you know, I, I tend to, to stick in and, and want to know more and know the whole landscape, but I, you'll see Lincoln and Carter again. Yeah. It's one story, but they're going to pop up. They're part of, of the story world too. So speaking of characters to pop up, yeah. I have to like throw my, my, desire to see something from Jax, who yes. from the moment they walked on the page was like, I need to know more about this person. You are going to get their story. And, you know, if all if all behaves and cooperates, I'm aiming for the end of this year. And it'll be as part of a, a Fog City thing that I don't want to spoil quite yet. There was intentionally something left out of each book for a reason so that I could tell Jax's story and they get their story through that. Um, and I'm excited for it. So I, I really want theirs. We're working on the cover already. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm going to consider it a Christmas present. So as you've been writing all this stuff, I know yeah. you've been reading, I see you put out book recs all the time on Facebook. What is something you would recommend to our audience that you've read recently? So because I've been writing mostly romantic suspense, I've been reading more contemporary. Usually if I'm writing one, I am reading the other. Things that I've really enjoyed, Anazabo's Cinnamon Roll. Me I too. Oh my gosh. They are, you know, if you want a masterclass on how to write kink and how to write BDSM correctly and also how to write consent that's sexy, go read their books. Right. Read Cinnamon Roll. It is. Oh, I'm just, you know, oh, it's so good. I thought it was excellent. And let's see other things that I really liked. I thought Rally Hearts, the end game was very good. I enjoyed that. I read that super quick. And then 
Other bold brew books that I really like, Perfect Matcha by Aaron McClellan, I thought was great. Allison Palpatino, was, I thought was cute. And so that's been a fun series, just to find different new authors too, and just different whatever you like has been really cool within that. Oh, and then I read Connor Peterson's, I read the first of the Lousy Boys series, Trouble with Lousy Boys. And so it was Red Hot Sugar. It was interesting. You know, I really like it. It's a little bit of PNR and urban fantasy kind of mixed in. And then there's there's polyamory in there too. And so it's it's really cool. I like it so far. I just started in book two. Oh, oh, and then the big one. Emma Grant's upcoming series, The White Thorn Agency. It comes out in June. Book one is Rare Vigilance. It's so good. <laughs> it's insane. Um, yeah, she got a lot of screaming text messages as I was reading through them. I mean, she did the same thing to me reading Silent Night, so it was fair game. But it was it was excellent. It's going to be a really fun series. The world building's incredible. It's cool because it's it's set in kind of I don't know if it's a rundown town in New York necessarily, but like. Some of there is trying to be revitalized, and so it, it's not your typical setting. It's not necessarily your typical characters at all, and so I I just really enjoyed it. Excellent, that's some good yeah. stuff for yeah. for for me and our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> and how can people follow you online to know when all of this next phase of things are coming out? Sure. So uh, my website is www.laylarain.com, and all of my socials are at laylarain. I pretty active on Instagram. I have a Facebook group, Layla's Lushes, and that's kind of where I tend to live on Facebook. And then I have a newsletter too. So that goes out monthly with updates, cover reveals, all that kind of stuff. So fantastic. Yeah. We'll link to that and all the books we've talked about in the show notes. Fantastic. Layla, thank you so much for coming back and talking about the end of this amazing series. Thanks for uh, having Thank me. you for the books. So good. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed them. I hope everyone else does too. This episode's transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the conversation for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And don't forget, the show notes page also has links to everything that we talked about in this episode. On the show notes page, you'll also find links to Libro.fm for the books that we talked about that have audiobook versions available there. When you buy an audiobook from Libro.fm, you're actually supporting a local bookstore of your choice. So it's a great way to get an audiobook and also support a story in your community. Listeners of the Big Gay Fiction podcast have the opportunity to get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one. And if you want to take advantage of that offer, simply go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash Libro.fm. That's L-I-B-R-O-F-M. And as you can probably tell by that interview, I had such a great time talking to Layla about all things Fog City. Thanks so much to Layla for coming back to chat. And boy, I'm looking forward to what's coming next, especially the books with Mel and Brax and then Jax's story too. I can't wait. All right. I think that's going to do it for now. Coming up on Monday in episode 310, Tara Lane and Eli Easton join us to talk about their collaboration on the Nerds vs. Jocks series. I love talking to these two so much. The Nerds vs. Jock series is the series I didn't know I needed this year. I have so much enjoyed this. They've got the third book in the series coming out at the end of this month, so it was the perfect time to talk to them about this collaboration. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big A Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Our original theme music is composed by Daryl Banner. Daryl Banner